All right, everybody. We're going to get started. Or we can sit around and talk about football and stuff. Man, I'd be just pretty interested in that. I was was trying to keep from getting getting sidetracked in that conversation there. Let's open in a word of prayer. We're going to get started, okay? Father, we're grateful for opportunities to always be able to come together, Father God, as members, and we desire to be fitly joined, Father, as you have ordained, as you have called, as you have gifted, Lord, us to be joined to one another. And we're here to do one thing, and that's to learn about you to receive the word of our Lord and Savior and the impact of the anointing that is brought by the Spirit and the word through the Holy Ghost. And we thank you right now for this time to hear and receive rhema word tonight, revelation, direction, Father God, tonight, clarity, Father, understanding. We just praise you for that right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just flow unabated through me that you would strengthen my members holy spirit my fleshly body in particular i just thank you right now for opening up uh the eyes of our understanding giving us ears to hear father eyes to see and and receptive good soil uh of heart father to receive your word in the name of jesus and all the glory goes to you father in the name of jesus amen, amen. praise the lord well i was up at two thirty this morning and couldn't get back to sleep. So I'm should be running on fumes, but I'm I'm gonna run on the unction tonight. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna how many of y'all were able to be here for the the first three Wednesdays of November and hear my mother in law, Anna Rose Co. Wasn't that good? Did everybody enjoy that? Thank, I just want to, I just want to publicly thank her for, for, uh, taking that time and, and moving on with what the Holy Spirit is, is leading, leading, uh, the team toward in terms of theme and, and, and unit for study. And I'm going to just take off from that and, and build on that framework a little bit more. I feel like that we're just on a journey here, uh, these past couple months in terms of what the Holy Spirit is leading us to. We have some veterans in our midst here. We have some Bible school graduates in our midst. And we have some people that haven't walked with the Lord very long in our midst as well. And so we have a nice mix. And so for the, for you veterans, we're going to cover some areas that I believe it'll just stir you up by way of remembrance. Okay. Stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. Just hang in there with us. But I know the Holy Ghost is going to bring new light and uh, reinvigorate our understanding of some of these areas. But for you newbies, hang on. Uh, in terms of some of the ground we're going to cover here because we're going to, I'm going to endeavor to, to, um, talk and expound a little bit more on, on being led by the spirit on the spiritual gifts, hearing the voice of the spirit of God, the practicality of, of, of that. And, uh, this is teaching. And, uh, so there's going to be, you know, a lot of material and it's all based on the word of God. And I do have notes. I'm happy to share those with you. Um, but I would ask that you take time. I mean, I, Melody and I were talking about this the other night. I, I sometimes have, I've gone back and looked at some of the stuff I presented. And I've thought, dear Lord, I presented too much. But you know what? That's what teaching is all about. Teaching is not about trying to deliver the full unit of revelation and understanding in your one hour class time. Amen. Does anyone, has anyone ever attended a classroom to learn about something like chemistry or biology or accounting or statistics for the Lord's sake? Which I do. I like statistics, but. Did you go and attend that class and, and, and hear whatever the person lectured on for an hour or 45 minutes, whatever the time might, might have been spent during that time and then walk away with a full understanding and delivery of that knowledge? No. What did you have to do? Yes. And the Bible says to study, to show yourself, to prove a workman that needeth not be ashamed that you'll be able to rightly divide the truth to understand it. And so you've got to apply. We have to apply ourselves as students of the word of God. Amen. Just like we would apply ourselves down here to intellectual achieve intellectual understanding of man's knowledge and the, or the arenas of things to be learned there. And I would say even more so. Yes. And amen. When it comes to the things of God. 
Right? Would anybody agree with that? Yeah. So I invite you to go back. We have these recorded. They're available on podcast or MP3 format. Go back, download those, listen to those through your podcast. I've got, I'm going to make my notes available. Um, I can make those available by email if you would like. And so that way you have an electronic version and you can access them that way. So uh, nothing's proprietary. It's all the word of God the, to the best of, of, of my ability to follow the unction. And, and so I invite you to avail yourself of that. So we're going to talk about some aspects of the spirit-led life. And, and Ina Rose did a wonderful job presenting uh, some, some good, solid framework and uh, building on what we've kind of been endeavoring to talk about. And that's being led by the spirit. That's doing what it takes to be able to put the focus on the spirit uh, realm because that's who our God is. He is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's how we relate to God. That's how we receive from God first. That's how we get understanding. Revelation is by way of our spirit bringing illumination to our mind. We don't approach the word of God and the things of God with only the soul. If we do, your, your, your experience is going to be severely and sorely limited and will eventually get off. Amen or oh me. So you, you, you have to, we have to learn. And in fact, I didn't start this out, but I'd, I'd like everybody to repeat after me. I am the spirit. I'm created in the image of my father. I'm a spirit first. I have a soul and I live in a body. Amen. That's right. I feel like the Lord told me to begin opening up every time I speak with that confession. You know, I think about uh, uh, John Osteen. He always had the confession. Lift up your Bible and repeat after me. This is my Bible. I can have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. You remember that? Well, I feel like that my particular emphasis is to talk about the things of the spirit and talk about who you are as spirit man first, because that's what it takes in order to be able to move and function in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So if you hear me, you're going to hear that common theme over and over and over again. Uh, because that just happens to be a particular unction that the Lord has just woven in my inner fabric. I can't explain it. That's what God put in there. I got that fire burning in the back all the time to talk about that. And so we're, I'm just going to build a little bit more on this. And if we're going to be led by the Spirit and we're going to flow, here's what we want. We want the manifestation of the Spirit of God in our midst, right? We want the gifts of the Spirit manifest. Anna Rose presented those very briefly last uh, two weeks ago. And she didn't get to really go in depth. And like she said in her teaching two weeks ago, we can spend weeks on these, on each one of these spiritual gifts. We're not going to spend weeks on just the spiritual gifts. But I do want to spend the next three weeks talking about aspects of being able to, to uh, of practical things that you do in order to be used by the Spirit of God, in order to access the things of the Spirit, in order to hear the voice of the Spirit of God, in order to be able to to be used by the Holy Ghost in those ninefold gifts of the Spirit to edify the body. Okay, that she talked about the um, introduced, and so I'm going to develop those a little bit more. But before we do, I, I'm a foundations guy. I've got to lay a little bit of foundation work like any good teacher will do. You've got to lay some foundation out there. You can't just throw out a whole bunch of sticks and expect people to start building. You know, you've got to have some foundation. We need to talk about what spirit we're seeking and from what spirit we receive unction. That is the precious Holy Spirit of God. If you're going to be, lead a spirit-led life, if you're going to, to move in the gifts of, guess what, the Spirit, capital S, then you need to know who the Holy Ghost is. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm a little old school, I guess. I use the word ghost. If that scares anybody, that's I'm get over it. You know, because, uh, you know, ghosts, I mean, it's ridiculous, man. There's been people, churches divided over people. Well, he said the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't use the word ghost. That scares people. Well, good golly. Go to King James and tell him about that, man. That's been, it's been around a long time. All right, well, anyway. So, first of all, you need to understand, and we're not going to talk about this. We talked about this for weeks. I'm not going to develop this point. But we understand that the Trinity, you know, a little about the concept of the Trinity. God is three in one. We're creating his image three in one, spirit, soul, and body. God is three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. 
And so, you know, we can see in Genesis 1:26, God said, let us make man in our image. Well, if we see that we are three in one and we're made in the image of God, then we know God's three in one and we know his three pe- his three parts, his three persons. And I like one analogy I saw from one teacher. It's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one times one times one equal one. They're all equal but separate parts that that don't sum but equate equally into the singular person of God. Does that make sense? I thought that was a wonderful analogy. I didn't come up with that. Someone else did. I thought it was great. Um, but we're created in his likeness. So we can look at ourselves and learn about our Father. And the Holy Spirit is one aspect of the Godhead that I think that we leave out of the game a lot. And in fact, we ignore a lot. And I believe the reason why is because we're ignorant about the Holy Spirit. You know, I like what Will Rogers said. Every man's ignorant just on different subjects. So ignorance is not a sh- to the shame of people. It's just you don't know, you lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. And that's it. We just lack knowledge about the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to talk just a little bit about that. So first of all, let's talk about him. He is a person. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He's not an, even an effigy of God's power. A figment or something that just stands to represent God's power. He is a person. I'm talking about the precious Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is a he because God is a he. Sorry, ladies, but that's just the truth of it. He is the living, breathing God. Talking about the Holy Spirit, just learning a little bit about, about him. Okay, so, you know, we got, let's just learn a little bit of, let's dive into this just a little bit more. First of all, he has a personality. Talking about the Holy Spirit again now. Follow me. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is really, if you, I think, I feel like the Holy Spirit relayed this to me, it's really a profile of his personality. If he were to advertise himself, you know, and, and now I see more than ever the focus upon the dating websites. You know, the match.coms and the blahblahs.coms and the meetthis.com and the hisandher.coms and the goandgetyourmatehere.com. How many of y'all ever seen advertisements for that and know what I'm talking about? It's very prominent in our culture today. And you know, a lot of times, you know, they used to, you know, it used to be in the paper, some people would take out ads, you know, and what did they call them? You know, ads that would like advertise something about themselves. Personal ads or whatever, you know. Single, young, strapping, young man that loves to hunt fish, blah, 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 looking for a woman of like, you know, fondness, blah, blah. Well, if the Holy Ghost was to write something about himself, this is what I think it would say. Loving, joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, gentle, faithful, and all-around good guy seeks eternal companionship with anyone who would receive him. Now, where did I get that? Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that, to me, that's a personal ad of the Holy Ghost right there. I just think that's wonderful. Loving, joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, gentle, faithful, and all-around good guy. Isn't he good? Man, he seeks eternal companionship with anyone who would receive him. No one to be turned aside. Anyone who would seek him. We're learning about the Holy Spirit here. Second thing, he has emotions. I think a lot of times we divorce the concept of God from anything that relates to our humanity. Yet we're created in his image. And if we're created in his image and we have emotions, then I think our God has emotions. And he does, in fact. And I can, we can show you all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, you know, we see God angry. We see God grieved. You know, we see God joyful. Well, the Holy Spirit has emotions. And you can hurt them. Just like you can hurt my feelings and emotions. I mean, you can impact them, I should say. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve not. And if you look at the original language, it does mean to sadden. Sadden not the Holy Spirit. If it says don't sadden him, then does that mean we can sadden him? 
Well, I mean, the, the inverse of something is just as true as the direct, you know, relate, conveyance of the of it, right? First Thessalonians five nineteen: Quench not the Holy Ghost. Quench him not. Have you ever been quenched? You know, in a relationship. You're talking to somebody. I mean, you're on fire about something. You're interacting with them about something. And they just throw a big old bucket of ice water all over your fire. Just quench you out. Quench your passion. Quench your zeal. Quench your desire to move on in, in, in whatever that is that you're passionate about. You know what I'm saying? We do that to the Holy Ghost. We can do that to him. He has a will. And you look at things like Romans 8:27. And he that searcheth the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints in accordance with the will of God. And guess what his will is? The will of the Father, the will of God. But he has a will. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 12:11 says, but all these worketh that one in the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. He has a will. That's talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit. He divides those severally to folks, to people, to open vessels in accordance with the Father's will as the Spirit wills. He has a will. He has a voice. Revelation 2.17, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, capital S, says unto the churches. There it is, talking about the voice of God. Man, there's tons of scriptures about the voice of the Spirit. Acts 8.29, then the Spirit, capital S, said unto Philip, go near and join thyself unto the chariot. There, see, he has a voice. He has a voice. So now let's move on just a little bit and talk um, a little bit about uh, what really is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the life of God, if you want to get right down to it. And we can see that modeled. In our creation, because God breathed his life into us to kick this whole thing off, to begin our ability to live and breathe. He breathed into us, and it wasn't just the air that we know that's a mixture of 70% nitrogen and 20-some percent oxygen and CO2 and all this other stuff. It's not that air I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the pneuma, okay, I'm talking about the the life-giving spirit, capital S, was blown into us. As he touched his very lips unto that lump of clay. Amen. Man, no other creation can attest to that level of intimacy, of relationship from the creator. We are the pinnacle of creation. Don't let any science, don't let anyone else... Cheat you of the reality that you are the pinnacle, you are the apple of God's eye. Not the blue whale, not the rhinoceros, not the cheetah, the great white shark, or any other thing that's going extinct on the face of the earth. I'm not denigrating, you know, the nature and the creation, but I gotta tell you, it all was created for one purpose, for us, who are the pinnacle of God's creation. He didn't create this great white shark in his image. He created us in his image, folks. Hallelujah. So we were identified with God, literally tied to him by spirit. We're literally tied to God by spirit before the fall. He blew his life into us. We became alive after his nature, after his likeness, after his spirit. But upon sin, then, what happened was man became separated from that life. He was separated from God, and this life left him, left man. And I think there's really no better parable, there's no better really model to, to convey that than the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm gonna, I'm one of these days, I'm gonna preach on the Good Samaritan. And perhaps give a, a different uh, spin on the way so oftentimes it's used in churches, which there's a wonderful revelation in who my neighbor is. Great revelation in that. But to me, the Good Samaritan is a story of redemption. That is the principal reason why that was conveyed by, G, by our master, 
It was to convey the reality uh, and the story in a capsule of redemption. And the thing, I'm, I cannot go into it. So Holy Ghost, got I mean, help me to control myself here. Because I want to talk about that so bad. I might have to put that off to another date. But I want you to understand one aspect of that Good Samaritan story. It said that the guy fell among thieves. And that guy represents Adam or man. Okay? He fell among thieves. And it says that they stripped him of his raiment. It says they beat him and they left him half dead. And there's a reason why it says half dead. Because he's not all the way dead. He's half dead. And people will think to themselves, what do you mean by half dead? Well, I submit to you that has to do with spiritual death. Because what happened is, is when sin entered in, the very life, capital S, spirit that was blown into us, we became severed from that and it left. That connection was severed from our Creator. And at that point in time, we died spiritually. That doesn't mean that our... Now, don't get me wrong, and I don't have time to teach about this, but our spirits, folks, and I've taught this and I've said this, we have so much lingo in the church, it becomes confusing sometimes. But when we say someone is spiritually dead, it does not mean that their spirit is doesn't have life in it. It means that they're separate from God. And here's how I can say that. People that are still separated from God, that are spiritually dead. Spiritual death just means separation from God. Spiritually. That if you were to die a physical death, then you would enter what's called a second death, where you're eternally separated from God. Never a hope to to be restored. Okay, the reason why I can tell you that is because guess where the dark arts come from? Guess where the witchcraft and the things that a lot of things are being glorified on TV about come from? Folks, that's reality. That's not a figment of man's imagination. There are people that through their unregenerate, separate spirit from God can channel through their spirit the dark spiritual activities. It is a 100% as I stand before you and God reality. Do not underestimate and do not think for a minute that that's a bunch of hooey. You don't believe me? Let's go back in the Old Testament and, 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 and talk about a lady called the witch of Endor who was used by Saul to conjure up Samuel's spirit back from the grave. Now everybody's got your attention, don't I? That's a 100% Bible story that you probably didn't hear about in Bible school when you were a little kid. (laughs) But at the same time, it's wonderful to have in there because it shows you very poignantly someone who has developed their unregenerate spirit to move in the things of the darkness of the spirit realm. And folks, the sad reality is there are people that are so devoted and have developed themselves along that line that have far exceeded the people of God in the kingdom of light spiritually. And it is sad. Those people have developed themselves. We knew one that came to our church, the witch that switched. Man, she could tell you stuff that would curl your hair to hear about things that went on in the dark spiritual arts in terms of people that would develop themselves along these lines. Oh, my goodness, Lord. I don't want to get off on that. But half dead. So that means that they are spiritually dead, which means they're just spiritually separated from God. Okay, that's what that's referring to. So upon sin, that's what happened. Listen to what we're talking about. You know, um, the Spirit of God is the life of God. And that, and the fact that that, that models, you know, the life of, of God, that's represented by the Spirit of God. Job 33, 4, listen to what it says. It says, the Spirit, capital S of God, hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty, capital A, hath given me life. Man, that's, that, that tells you right there about what the, the, the Spirit did that created and put life in us. Uh, John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, they are life. That's Jesus' words. 
So in the New Testament, spirit, capital S, is translated from the word, and you've heard me use this multiple times, pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. That's the original language. I'm going to stop using the, I'm going to try to remember to stop using Greek because a lot of people's like, what the heck? The original language, I'm going to start trying to use the term original language from which the Bible came because it doesn't matter really. I mean, I, it does if you want to dive into the things of the spirit or into the word, but I don't want to confuse people. So here's the, th- here's the reality though of our life in God. That at one point in time, we were created by him actually blowing his spirit into us. We sinned. I'm saying we because we all were born after Adam. And so one man sinned and everyone else did. (laughs) You know, I mean, everyone else died because of that. But then one man, Christ came, Jesus, hallelujah. And we all can be born again, raised unto newness of life in him. And we all sinning here are, hallelujah. Praise God for that. But here's really the reality of living by the Spirit. Uh, If you live a life from your Spirit, just like we started out, I am Spirit first, created in the image of my Father, I'm Spirit first, have soul, live in a body. If you really believe that, if you really function and you're moving towards a greater reality of who you are Spirit first, you're going to increase in your ability to relate to God and move in the things of the Spirit. Really, life by the Spirit is really respiration. Just like it is in our physical body. You have to respire. You have to take breath in. You have to exhale out the waste uh, breath. And the waste of of metabolism. You have to take breath in. You have to excrete the metabolic waste. And really when you think about it, the Holy Ghost showed this to me. The life in the spirit is the same way. We should be walking continuously respiring in the spirit. Our life should be a, a, a continual connection and awareness that just as much as we are in the physical walking, living because of our breathing air that is, you know, that has the right physical makeup and the right gases and the right components and respiring out those metabolic wastes, so too our life in the Spirit is walking and breathing in the things that the Spirit of God and respiring out the the wastes of the flesh and the soul, unregenerate by God. The unregenerate mind. Amen? And so really that's what it should be. Spiritual breathing is, is taking in the very life of God and expelling the wastes of the flesh. But how many of us go around short of breath, perhaps living on only one or two breaths for the day? When you talk about spiritual life, when you talk about a spirit-led life, when you talk about spiritology and things to, to, to do with understanding who you are spirit first, because that's who God is and that's how we relate to God first and foremost. And that's how we access the kingdom of God. And that's where faith is at. Faith is an essence of spirit first. And if we do that, folks, we talk about those things, then we've got to understand how to live by the spirit. We got to understand how to access the spirit. We got to understand. And what it means really is coming to the place that we live by, from, and through the spirit. So, so really, if you're living, you're breathing. So if you're living by the spirit, then you're breathing this, this. I mean, it becomes literally a respiratory process where you're taking in the things of God and letting go the things of the flesh and the wastes of the, of the unregenerate mind. Taking in the things of God, letting go the waste of the unregenerate mind and the flesh. Amen? But the thing is, is we'll walk around and we'll take in a puff. And it's like, (gasps) and then I'm going to walk for the day for five or six hours and go on that one breath. I got my chapter in. (gasps) I said, uh, I said, you know, I spent five minutes in prayer. (gasps) Then I'm gonna, then you forget about God. I mean, there's not even a thought. I mean, it's like you go throughout your, and I'm not saying you have to walk throughout your day with a constant, like, it's nothing but just God. It's like, you know, no, you got a soul, you got things you gotta do. You got packages you're responsible for, people you're responsible to manage. I mean, you got, I mean, you got all kinds of stuff going on. Your mind is constantly being pulled on. I'm not telling you you don't function that way. You've got to. But at the same time, you understand what I'm saying? 
We still need to realize that we're spirit beings, though, too, first and foremost, and that that's where the source of our life is at, you know, as born-again children of God. And so then what we need to do is think to ourselves, man, I, I need to be sure that I'm breathing, that I'm taking in the things of the Spirit all the time. And when you look back in the Old Testament, you know, you see things like in Joshua 1.8, you know, where it talks about, you know, thinking about, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it how long? Just every once in a while? Day and night. You know, being careful to observe to do there, which is written therein. I mean, you know, day and night, night and day. And the Bible even talks about it being as frontlets before your eyes. And then we see that literally, you know, the religious leaders took that literally and they made these things called phylacteries and where they'd actually put the Torah in phylacteries and, and hang it on there physically on their forehead. Well, that's not what God's talking about, dear Lord. He's not talking about making a physical representation of the Word of God and keeping it before your eyes. He's talking about whatever you look at things and the decisions you're making, see the Word of, see it through the Word of God. See it by way of the Spirit of God, counsel of the Spirit in what you're doing in decision making through the day. That's breathing, see? Breathing in? Breathe out. So in other words, how do you, cause you can't sit there all day, 24-7 and just read, read, read the Word of God. I mean, you can, but do you think you're going to be effectual for the kingdom doing that? No, you got to get out and have relationship. You got to get out and mix up with, and you got to go to work. You this. God's not saying, don't let this book of the law depart from your eye, keep it before your eyes and all this stuff and keep it in your mouth all day where you're just running around confessing the Word of God 24-7. That's not what he's saying. I think what he's saying is that whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you are perceiving and having to handle, do it all through the lens and the filter of the Word of God and by by unction of the Spirit as he brings it to you to deal with the situations. Breathing, respiring, that's living by the Spirit. So... The Spirit-filled life is really a continual state of being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 even says that. It says, don't be drunk on wine where we're in is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Singing to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And that term, be filled, is a continual action verb. It don't happen once. It don't happen two and three times. Brother, how many times have you been filled with the Spirit in your life? Many, right? Sure. It's breathing in. I'm filling myself up with the Spirit. When I get to come to church and I sit under an anointed word, guess what? <gasps> when I, you know, uh, it, those times at home when I'm able to get quiet and get in my closet and, and, and begin worshiping the Lord, <gasps> I'm filling myself up with the Holy Ghost, with His substance. When I take in the Word of God with the faith to receive rhema word, that's a breath. Hallelujah. So be being filled. It's a continual action word to keep being filled. So you don't just get filled once and then that's it. Oh, I got it, brother. I got it, sister. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got it, my feeling. Oh, no, man. You get filled and you get refilled and you get refilled. And really what it is is breathing. I'm feeling... And then it gets emptied out in the process. I feel, and I get, it's just like breathing to me. I mean, the Holy Spirit showed that to me. It makes plain sense to me. Maybe I, you know, I don't know if it makes sense to you guys, but it, it ministered to me. So like breathing though, here's, here's, here's where we should head in terms of our being led by the Spirit, living a life by the Spirit. It should continue without thought. Do you think about breathing? The only time I think about breathing is if I've had weird symptoms in my heart or something going on. Then all of a sudden you become aware, hmm, you know, of your processes that you don't think about very often. If you got a heart and you feel your heart, you know, if your heart skips a beat, you got a heart arrhythmia or something, skips a beat, does something weird, and all of a sudden it's like, hmm, command your attention. But most of the time you don't think about that kind of stuff. You don't think about breathing. I mean, how many of you all thought about breathing today? <laughs> How many of y'all thought about making your heart beat? No, no thought at all. I submit to you that's the way we should become with the things of the Spirit. Should not be a thought. Should be supernatural to us to do. 
right? I love what Kenneth Hagin says. I'm sorry, I'm a Kenneth Haganite. I have listened to that man for hundreds of hours. I didn't get to go to Rama, but I might as well have. Because I've got Rama graduates for, you know, spiritual mentors. I've got, you know, I've been in and around that. I've listened to hundreds of hours of people that come out. And I love what he said, you know, with respect to, to, uh, well, my mind just went completely blank. Somebody help me out. Where was I going? <laughs> my mind just went completely, completely blank. Well, we'll come back. Yeah, in reference to the, in reference to the spirit. What the heck was it? Where was I going? My mind just went poof. That doesn't happen to anybody else, does it? Okay, let's move on. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit characterizes the church age that we live in. And I just want to focus on a couple things here because I want to move on quickly. We're laying foundation here. He's been poured out, and he will never leave, folks. Okay? So I want us to flush from our understanding, flush from our minds, any song lyrics, any verses uh, that you read in the Old Testament that don't that 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 were true at that point in time, but not under the dispensation of the Holy Ghost that's now been poured out. It's not take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That was spoken by by people in the in before Jesus, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, when the Holy Spirit would come upon people and leave them. And come upon them and leave them. Because he could not indwell them. And now, post-Jesus, we live in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, living inside of us. Hallelujah. The temple of God. And he don't come in there and just fill that temple up and, and come in and look around for a little bit and occupy for a while and leave. He comes in and occupy a permanent residence. Whether you access the power therein or not, he's there. Hallelujah. The Bible says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Hallelujah. So he unites the church. He he gives the supply of God's life, his will, his power to each of its members. He's been poured out. He's not going to leave. And, you know, Psalms 133, 2 talks about, you know, what the Holy Spirit's presence, his anointing does. And it says that, you know, when brothers dwell, dwell together in unity, and that's something that we're going to have to probably deal with at some point in time, talking about unity, teaching about what that really means. But it says when we come to a place of spiritual unity, not just not just agreeing to assemble together, but we come to the place that we're of one heart and, and my, of one mind and purpose in what we're doing. You know, that's that's real unity. That it says that that. It's like precious ointment poured upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down the skirts of his garment. Well, I submit to you that that's, that's a model of the effect of spiritual unity because it, what it will do is it will usher in the outpouring of the anointing of God on that body to be, to stand in the role of what Aaron was and he was a priest. To stand in an intercessory role, to stand in a role, to stand in the gap between God and man and pull man to God. Hallelujah. And God to man, you know, his power to them to be released. But I also submit to you that it's a model of the spirit of God being poured out. The spirit of God has been poured out upon us, the body of Christ. Because in Christ, all things are perfect. And we are in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places is what the word of God says. We are created and born by one spirit into his body. And I think that that's also, you know, that Psalm 133 is also a prophetic image of the body of Jesus unified under his head and the release of the Holy Ghost and his anointing upon us. And I got to tell you that when that happened was in Acts chapter 2, folks. That's when it was released. Jesus told him, said, boys, you get up there and girls, you get up there and you wait until the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And he's going to make you, bring you power to be a witness. And they went up there and they waited and then boy, was there something released in that upper room? My goodness. In Acts chapter two, you can go and read about that. And from that day forward, folks, it's not, it's never, we've never gone back. The Holy Ghost has never come back and went, drawn back from man. He's been poured out. 
He was poured out that day, and the anointing is still rolling all the way down to the bottom of the garment. Hallelujah. Whenever the the enemies are made a footstool for the feet that the bottom of the garment touch. That's what it says. And when that happens, I feel like that's when Jesus is going to come back. (laughs) I'm saying some things I don't even know about. I understand, but that's what that seems right to me. Okay. So we're not waiting anymore for God to send the Holy Spirit to us. He's been poured out. The oil of the Spirit's presence has hit the garment, folks. So don't pray the prayers of the old. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. That's, that's an old dispensation. That's an old covenant. That's an Old Testament reality. That is not today's reality. The promise of Jesus has been fulfilled. He promised that when he leaves, he would send, the Father would send a comforter. It's the Holy Spirit. He's here, folks, with us right now. Hallelujah. So let's just move on now. So we've talked about the Holy Spirit. Now let's talk a little bit about our, our, who we are as spirit now, a little bit more. Put some emphasis on it. Ida Rose talked about the spirit, soul, and body and brought some excellent points out. I'm going to develop a few of those just a little bit. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but I'll develop some of them a little bit more maybe. And here's one aspect. If we're, we're, what are we learning about? We're learning about the spirit-led life, concepts of the spirit-led life, concept of, of, of what it means to move in the things of the spirit, to be used by the spirit of God, how that, how that happens. Well, we have to understand who we're being used by. And that's what we just talked about, the Holy Spirit. Now let's understand how he used, how he works with us. We have to understand who he works through. That's our spirit. Many people view their lives as two separate dimensions. I've done this a lot, and I still do this. I have to, I have to check myself a lot of times. You know, oftentimes we review ourselves in two separate dimensions. One plane is the physical and soul realm. Okay? Of the everyday lives, things like your jobs, things like your recreation, eating, the things that you do. That's one plane of your life. From your perspective, that's oftentimes, I'm not kidding you, this is the way we, this is, this is why we flounder and walk so weakly in the things of the Spirit is because we are not viewing life from an integrated perspective. We're in a holistic perspective. We're viewing life from a separatist mentality. Physical, soulless realm, eating, work, relationship, physical relationship, whatever, you just name it. And then on the other hand, we got the other plane, and that's the spiritual. And that has to do with church, and has to do with the activities that we associate with the spiritual, our devotion time, uh, small groups, or things that you're involved in, coming to Wednesday Word. Those, that's the, the other facet, or the other plane. The thing is, though, is that we've got to recondition our view. If you want to be used by the Spirit of God, if you want to flow in the things of the Spirit of God, you need to recondition your view. If you want to walk and step and breathe the spirit life, like we talked about this a while ago, you need to reposition your perspective. And you need to look at it from a whole perspective and not a separated one. You know, we need to look, don't look at these as separate entities. Look at us, look at them as a whole. Spirits first have a soul live in a body. And it's all integrated it's not separated. It's all integrated. We go together, spirit, soul, and body. I don't leave my spirit back here when I go to work. If I left my spirit back there, my physical body would be dead. The word of God is clear that when you, when the spirit separates from the body and that silver cord is broke, the physical body dies. Well, we don't have time to talk about that, but that's the truth. Folks, as long as there is a physical body there, there is a spirit there that can receive. I believe that. I believe that. Even though physically they can't relate. There's a spirit there still. Because the physical body can't live apart from the spirit being there. Okay, well anyway, I don't want to get off on that. So let me just give you a, 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 a common misconception. And this just happened just very recently. Something that I just had my perspective challenged in, and that's the concept of the presence of God. See, I think a lot of times this concept of separating out, you know, and dividing these into planes, you know, our spiritual things and then our physical and soulish things, this is what it can lead to. Oh, God, we want your presence. God, we want it to increase in our our midst. I've taught that. I've preached that. 
And I proclaim that. And I'll still proclaim that. But here's the reality of it. Do you ever live and breathe and take a step outside of the presence of God? It's a trick question. What did the psalmist of old say? I could go down to the depths of the sea. I could go up to the highest mountain. I could go to here and I could go to there. And I could do this and I could do that. But I would could never escape This is the Greg version, your presence. Do y'all remember that? Why? Because he said, there you would be. There you would be. There you would be. It doesn't matter where I go. I can't get away from God. God is omnipresent. God's presence is everywhere. I don't go. You don't go. We don't go anywhere lest the presence of God is already there. Do you see that? And how much more for the kingdom, the people of God, because guess what? We're the temple carrying the presence for God's sake. And I mean that from a good perspective. Y'all see what I'm saying? We're carrying the presence of God. So we don't go anywhere without the presence of God. He's always present with us. See how, how sometimes it, I think we get, uh, we, this separation concept, it's it's us trying to understand the difference between accessing God by way of the physical and then the soulless realm versus the spiritual realm, and we're separating these things out, and then it becomes this thing where it's like, well, God's way over here. No, He's not. He's right here. He's. It says He's near you. He's in your word, in your mouth, and in your heart. The Word of God is near you. He is everywhere present, folks. You can't go anywhere unless God is there. Now, here's the issue. God is spirit. The essence of God and everything about him is spirit. So guess how you manifest that into the reality of the dimension of our of our body and soul? By way of the spirit. So if we don't have any emphasis, if we're, if we're very limited in our understanding, if we operate in ignorance of how we, op, of how we move from a spiritual perspective, then guess what? We limit his presence in the physical and the soulless realms. Are y'all following me? Folks, this is a key. This is a key. We want an increase of the presence of God. This is what I believe we're really asking. We're not asking that he avail, that He manifest himself greater than he's already here because he's here, folks. He's here, he's here and he reigns and he fills uh, the atmosphere of this cosmos just as strong now as he did back when he spun it all into motion. The difference is, is we, through an act of our will... Understanding the things of the Spirit access and promote the reality of something in another dimension into the dimensions that we commonly relate to. And it's called the physical and the soulless realms. And, and you know, yes, your body can be affected by the presence of God. I've had it happen to me many times. Anybody else been affected by the presence of God? You better believe it. Michelle's hand shot straight up. You better believe it can be affected by the presence of God. You better believe you can get happy. You better believe that the, that the doom and gloom and the anxieties and the things can be blown away just like the clouds of a, a, a when a wind comes in the upper atmosphere. <laughs> so, there, so here's the deal. It's a dimension issue. God exists in another dimension. And it's not the dimension of the soul. It's not the dimension of the, of the physical realm. It's a dimension of the spirit. And we're talking about how to walk in that dimension. Because the more we are able to emphasize and to walk in that dimension, the more we will see the reality and the manifestation of the, of that uh, power in that dimension in these dimensions. Does that make sense? Man, this is a key, folks. We can't leave here till till we till I got quite a few more heads nodding. Because this is the issue. It's not that we're asking when we say that we want your presence more, God, we need the manifestation of presence. That that is a truth from one perspective. I mean, that's a truth. That's truth. Don't get me wrong now. 
But, but we need to understand why that's true. It's not true because God, we do, we, we do all the right things mechanistically and God rewards us with a greater manifestation of His, of His visit. And that's what I think we're looking at a lot of times. It's like, oh, we got a lot of things right because God really manifested today. Amen, Pastor CJ? Man, there is nothing we do that deserves anything, folks. We don't deserve anything except what I like what my minister said, and that is two quick slaps and a kick in the butt. That's most of the time what I deserve. <laughs> but you know what? It's not a matter of deserving. It's a matter of what has been imparted to us by way of the love of our Father. My goodness. By way of the desire of His life force, the Spirit of God who's come up inside of us and indwells us and will lead us on, hallelujah, into greater and greater manifestations of the reality of His dimension into ours. That's really what faith does. Faith is the mechanism by which we, we manifest the reality in the Spirit to the natural realm. That's really, if you want to define faith, I think that's the simplest way to define it. And maybe that's not very simple. But, and folks, I gotta say something here. You know, so much of man's wisdom and so forth, you know, it just gets so blown, it says knowledge puffs up. It gets so blown up in the egos and the, and the, uh, pride and the foolishness of what man thinks he's contrived. And I gotta tell you folks, there's no bit of knowledge that has any realm of truth to it that God hasn't, hasn't allowed to, to be born in people's intellects. By way of the giftings He's given them, by, 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 uh, appointed times that He's had for certain things to come. You tell me, why has technology burgeoned like no other uh, century, centuries and millennia before until this last hundred years? And really the last 50 years, you look at, te- at the electronic technology and the things that have... We've got artificial intelligence now, folks, that can do things that will set your hair on end in terms of what it can do that we've created. How come that is, didn't, wasn't developed back in 1700s? We had, some very, we had some exceedingly intellectual men back then. I mean, we had guys... We had absolute geniuses back in the day. You know, you look at some of the, the patriarchs of the intellect, you know, and you see some of the things that they were able to accomplish. But yet you don't see technology being developed back then like you do in the last 50 to 75 years. Why is that? Why is that? I submit to you because it wasn't an appointed time for, for the knowledge to be divided and released like it was. That's my particular opinion. But I believe that. And then there's one man, and we all know his name's Albert Einstein. And God gifted that man with an intellect. I have no idea whether the man knew God or not. Don't know. Huh? I, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know. You've studied about him. Evidently, he didn't know about God. That's sad. But God gifted that man with an intellect. He wasn't, a, that would do, he wasn't an island unto himself in creation. He got what he got because God apportioned it to him. And I gotta tell you that it was the appointed time for him to receive and conceive of the concept of the theory of relativity whenever he conceived of it. It wasn't because he was just the, it wasn't just a, 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 a stochastic outcropping of his brilliance. In other words, just a, a random pro- chance or probability that it just, it, no, no, it wasn't that. And that's what a lot of people will tell you. It was because it was an appointed time for that theory to come forward because guess what that theory founds? It founds in mathematics, hard science, the absolute ability to prove the existence of multiple dimensions at the same time. Multiple dimensions. Why am I talking about this? Because guess what? You can prove the existence that there's someone that can exist in another dimension you can't see or prove in the, with the elements of this dimension. And guess who that someone might be? That's our Father. That's our precious Savior, Jesus, who's with Him at the right hand. And in whose lap we're seated, hallelujah, positioned along with Him in His body. That's our precious Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. That is a dimension, folks, that can be proven by mathematics because of that theory. 
I believe it was inspired and released and ordained by God. Sure, that's right. And that's what it says in Romans, that all of creation confirms and says things about the Creator. And that's all that does. But it confirms it from an intellectual perspective and a hard science perspective that you can sit down and draw lines and prove things beyond a shadow of a doubt, even intellectually. The only reason that men miss God intellectually is because they choose to miss Him. Amen, brother, that's right. We have some we have some eggheads in the kingdom of God. There's this guy named Hugh Ross. Oh my goodness, have you ever seen him? Reasons to Believe Ministries. Oh my goodness, that God has had me in the ground. I'm just sitting there like going, and everything's going. Whoo, whoo, whoo. He's an astrophysicist. He got all. He's got all. I think he's got the whole alphabet behind his name. He came to the knowledge of God through math. Through science. But he came to it through the purity of doing, of not doing what I said, and that was denying the obvious. He came, and he's led other people through that who is, who are willing not to deny the obvious either. Through math. He can talk numbers and talk God through numbers. Man, I can't do that. Good golly. I'm glad there are people that have brains that can do that. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because if we're going to learn how to walk in the Spirit, if we're going to, have to if we're going to learn how to move in the gifts of the Spirit, if we're going to learn how to commune with the Spirit of God and our Father and be used and, and grow and respire and live by the Spirit, we have to understand what the Spirit realm is. We have to understand where God is, where the Spirit, Holy Ghost it lives, where these things are at. And it can be proven the existence of the dimension that is outside these physical three dimensions that we know about. It can be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that, that there's a possibility for the other dimensions. And I'm, I'm not, I'm telling you right now, it's not a possibility. It's 100% guaranteed. It's a lock, folks. <laughs> pour, back the truck up and pour the concrete. And that's where our God exists. So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to quit there with 3 minutes to spare. And uh I just we're going to endeavor to move on here. We have to we have to I just this is just seething inside of me to deliver about you know the concepts of this because why? Because we do want to manifest the reality of that realm into this realm. Guess what? Healings are in that realm. Guess what? Prosperity Peace of mind is in that realm. Our sanctification, our right standing, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption, our eternal life, the inheritance that we have a a portion of in the way of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us that's identifying in my heart right now. The reality of it is there, folks. And and so... (laughs) We've got to learn how to tap that there. And that's by the way of the Spirit. Okay? Praise God. Did you want to say something, Ida Rose? Hugh Ross got saved in Genesis 1. He went through the different, whatever you call it. But, uh, it's, but see, they were searching for knowledge. I, and uh, I remember Yang Yi Cho said... His thing was, why can Buddhists pray for people and they get healed? And Christians aren't praying. They, they don't see people getting healed. And it's that realm of faith. They're, they're using knowledge, natural knowledge, but they put faith into that. They're seeking for that. And here we have everything. We have everything available for us. But we're, we're just, I don't know why we don't seek that we know the one that knows everything. But that's exactly that. And Albert Einstein, you know, they thought he was ignorant. I mean, you know, just dumb. Oh, yeah. But he ju- he kept searching. He used a natural knowledge. And, and, uh, and look what it manifests. But they had a faith to follow that natural knowledge. And look what we have. Mm-hmm. 
That's yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just, uh, you know, I, one parting parting thought here is that the reality to me, um, we were spirit centered before the fall. Because guess what? We communed with God. I keep saying we because we were in Adam. <laughs> oh, that's what the word says. And and so Adam and Eve, they communed with God face to face. They touched him. They hugged him. They probably kissed him. I mean, I, I know I'm having to, to embellish because the word doesn't say that. But come on. Do you hug and kiss and and, and love on people you're affectionate about? Man, the father was affectionate. He was passionate about his man, his creation. I mean, gender neutral ladies, man, yo. And so anyway, so of course, you know, they're spirit centric first. Well, when the fall came, then the, the reality and focus on that realm switched to the soul. Because that, that was the only realm that was left. The understanding that came that the devil promised. If you eat, you will understand, you will know like God knows. You see what I'm saying? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, let's pray and we'll be done. Father, thank you so much. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, we're so, we're so excited. We want to know more. We want to know more. We invite the light. I invite the light in my life, oh, Father. I want to walk. I want to respire in the Spirit. I want to walk by the Spirit. I want everything, Father God, of my life to be born of the Spirit like it was in Jesus' life. And I know that's the, I just believe that's a prayer of everyone that's here. We're endeavoring to learn. Holy Ghost, you are here to teach us. We just yield to that anointing. We yield to that, that light. Hallelujah. And the word of God, the spirit and the word. And we're just grateful for the opportunity we have to, to freely come in an environment and learn about you, oh God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for our salvation, God. Thank you, Jesus. Forgiving yourself freely, laying your life down for us. In Jesus' name, amen.